0: overwhelm is pre-burnout. If you do that long enough, then you may numb yourself. You may just stop trying to do that next right thing and say, what does it matter? If you've ever been overwhelmed, you know that like, hey, I'm going to just throw up my hands thing because what, what does it matter? I can't do it all
1: anyway. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I hope that your week is going well. I hope that you are finding time to enjoy this ambiguous, different summer that we're in right now. I have honestly been kind of encouraged by it. We can't do some of the things that we're normally used to doing, but we can get creative and find new ways to, to rest, to relax, to recharge, to spend time with family, whatever that may look like. I hope that you are... Finding ways to pursue that to enjoy the time that we've been given so that as fall approaches and schedules tend to get fuller and fuller that we're recharged and we're setting ourselves up to launch well as, as fall approaches here in the next couple of months. So Alan recently sat down with some leaders and gave a great talk on probably one of my favorite topics and a discussion that you've heard us um, mention in social media posts and videos time and time again. It's this idea of pursuing health before impact and faithfully abiding in your workmanship, who created you before we're chasing after work. So health before impact, workmanship before works. And these are very important for me. It's a great reminder as someone who's come through great unhealth and was seeking impact and all of the sweet, awesome stuff before I was watering the roots where I was. Without good roots, we can't produce good fruit. And you'll hear Alan talk about that in this conversation. So I don't want to string us along anymore. I'm excited to to jump in. So As we dig in, sit down, refill your coffee, relax, slow down with this one, and enjoy today's conversation that Alan gave to a group of leaders about health before impact and workmanship before works.
0: It was probably six years ago that I started to realize that everybody that I was coaching or speaking into their life or mentoring or walking alongside of in an intentional manner was experiencing similar things. They were hitting similar barriers around time, around energy, around productivity, around what was missing, having similar answers to these four questions. Where are you thriving? Where are you struggling? What's confusing? And what's missing? And I started to say, I think there's something happening here in our world. And I started to hear this word, I am overwhelmed all the time. And I think we are all struggling with a gnawing sense of overwhelm today. Mm -hmm. I want to do it all. I want to at least try to do it all. And if I can't, then I'm failing. And I think that overwhelm is Mm pre-burnout. Overwhelm is pre-burnout. If you do that long enough, then you may numb yourself. You may just stop trying to do that next right thing and say, what does it matter? If you've ever been overwhelmed, you know that like, hey, I'm going to just throw up my hands thing Mm -hmm. because what what does it matter? I can't do it all anyway. And so there are some markers, some waypoints to pay attention to. And I want to talk through those. There's also some paradigm shifts that I'm going to get to. I love this question by Bob Goff. He says, we all ask the question, who has God made me to be? But perhaps the more important question is, who is God making me into? Mm -hmm. We talk about this big word, sanctification, in the church. But I don't know that we really believe that God is chipping away at us and making us into a more holy or more mature version of ourselves when we lean in and grow. You know, when like grandma pinches your cheeks when you're a kid, like, oh, you've grown so big. You can't see it, right? Because you've been growing the whole time. But sometimes when I'll come back, even after two weeks before I've been coaching somebody, or two months, or a year later, and I'll go, they're unrecognizable. Like, they're a new creation. And so we know that at the time that we receive Christ, we are a new creation, guys. We are also becoming new creations every day. And that's when I talk about incremental miracles. That's what I'm talking about, is that act of leaning in, having God hone us, us, chip away at us, That we are becoming a new creation. And so to to come back to the coaching conversation, when I started to realize people are wrestling with similar things, I also started to say, as we implemented certain things and certain tools along the way, started to have certain paradigm shifts, people were also watching the same growth happen. And so I'm confident now that these are not just Christian issues. These are not just church leadership issues or missions issues. These are not just leadership issues. These are actually human issues that people are struggling with today. And I've actually been blown away that a lot of these coaching principles are helping people who have not yet called on the name of Jesus. So I don't believe these are just helpful within the Christian space. And I love watching leaders like John Maxwell, like Dave Ramsey, others that started just on biblical principles, just teaching the Proverbs, being able to impact thousands, I'm sure millions by now. And that has been incredibly encouraging to watch. But there's sobering moments along the way. Again, this question, what's your burnout plan? So if you were going to architect your own burnout, how would you do it? Slightly different for all of us, but really, really important. If that was the goal, and I know that sounds weird and disorienting to plan for it, and sometimes people will answer, more of what I'm doing right now. So okay, let's chase that rabbit. So how long do you have? How long until you burn out? Probably anything under six months, I get really concerned. Because the truth is, we are always more tired than we think. If you think you're tired, you may be weary. If you think you're weary, you're probably exhausted. If you think you're exhausted, you may be really, really, really overwhelmed. And if you think you are really overwhelmed, you may be in burnout. But it takes a while to realize it. You know, when you eat too much at a meal, you think you're stuffed, and like 10 minutes later, you're like, oh man, I'm really stuffed. You know? Like it kind of takes a while to realize where we're at. Because I think we are uh, pushing hard on our schedules and our busyness and what we have next. And when we pull out of that caffeine and adrenaline, some things hit and we are always more tired than we realize. When I do sabbatical coaching, that's always the case, is people say, yeah, I, mean, I don't really think I need sabbatical, but I'm excited to take it. I'm glad that our church or missions organization has given it to me, and then they're like, oh man, I hit the crash a couple weeks in, right, where the adrenaline just kind of slows down. Um, you've probably been there. Maybe that was like, hey, when I was done with college for the semester, I realized I am exhausted, and so again, you are going to get rest. The question is, whether you take it proactively or whether you take it reactively. Sometimes sickness is God's way of saying, slow down, sit next to the fire, recover, lay down, let your body rest a while. And I have this saying, I truly believe, and I like to practice on Sunday afternoons. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Because I trust that when I am doing nothing, God can do everything. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is put down your work, put your phone in airplane mode, not answer your emails and say, God can actually do more when I'm resting than I can do when I'm working. Like that is a declaration, a declaration. Many would say this Sabbath is resistance. It is resistance. It is pushing against this God, this little G God of productivity, of do more. And I have this concern with productivity today that we are obsessed with efficiency, but we may not be effective. Mm -hmm. We may not be doing the right things, but we sure are going to do more of them, right? Mm -hmm. And many times, what does that flow from? Striving, insecurity. Because I'm not doing enough, I'm insecure, I'm just going to do more. Mm -hmm. Now is a great time for you guys to think through this. I love the way that Psalm 127, 1-2 puts this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. What is the meal you are consuming right now in your life? Mm-hmm. Is it a tired, cold meal of anxious toil? Because God speaks of this banquet feast we're going to experience, where there's no more striving someday. When we get to show up, one of my favorite things to do is to curate experiences. We take leaders away. Talk about disorienting. We take leaders away and say, you're not going to lift a finger. We're going to serve you the whole time. And there's this amazing food. We don't let them clean up afterwards. They didn't prepare, but they get to take this lavish meal in. When you think about this lavish meal, they're like, oh. And there's this feeling of, like, can I help? I don't deserve this. Exactly. We're trying to model someday this banquet table that we get to experience that we don't deserve. But instead, many times we settle for eating the bread of anxious toil. Interesting that the Bible talks about anxiety, Sam Keller says this is the anxious age. Like, if that's what this age is known for, like our grandkids and great-grandkids are going to say, yeah, they lived in the anxious age. Like, stress skyrocketing. Anxiety skyrocketing. And by the way, yes, there are reasons to seek. I'm a big fan of counseling. There are reasons to seek meds, absolutely. But I think a lot of our anxiety today is sort of a, a low-grade, mid-level anxiety that many times is self-produced, is not just our body needing more of something. Many times it's our soul needing more of something because we have pushed ourselves there. Guys, I'm so passionate about saying, how can you identify this now? How could you proactively see this instead of getting in that spot going, oh, man. A friend of mine, he said he would go to all the conferences and as a young leader he would listen and he realized there was the same thread or the same storyline in everybody's story and it was it was this it was that ministry almost killed me the ministry almost burned me out and what he realized was that's not ministry's fault that's not heeding the warnings and he said i would have to be the proverbs definition of a fool not to hear that there's the same storyline And so when I asked him, how did you practice Sabbath? He said, I heard it enough that I just needed to take heed and take warning. And so I'm crazy enough to believe you guys could discover the gift of Sabbath before you actually feel like you need it. Like that you don't have to be at the end of your wits. And by the way, that the abundant life is not a unicorn that to be a leader, to go the distance, to do incredible things and faithful things in the name of God, you don't have to head toward burnout. Mm -hmm. Like if you've never seen that model before, I want to tell you, there's a lot of faithful leaders that are choosing to live this abiding, abundant life in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that that message isn't more prevalent. We don't tell those stories. We hear the one that hits the wall. There's so many faithful leaders out there who are going the distance. Mm -hmm. They just don't make the news. And I just want to encourage you with that. And I know many of them, and I get to coach some of them, and I'm so grateful for that. But none of these tricks and tips and creativity and productivity matter at all if you don't believe this, that the abundant life is possible. Do you actually believe the abundant life is possible? This overflowing life to the brim that Jesus speaks of. Because if you don't, then the rest of this stuff is just going to take us off course. Again, we're just going to get more efficient doing things that we actually have no business doing, that we're not uniquely designed for. And whenever I speak or teach, I use that phrase, unique design. What are you uniquely designed to do? And a tough exercise, but a really good one, is to create a unique design statement. My name is blank, and I am uniquely designed to blank take some time and some energy and and some insecurity. But what are you uniquely designed to do? That God has just built you in form and function. Again, it works and it's functional, but it's beautiful as well. And it has pleasing form to it that God would uniquely design you for something. So I can tell you this, if your unique design is just looking at somebody else, And trying to copy that, again, you just have a crappy version of somebody else's life and their design. What are you uniquely designed to do? That's one of the biggest, scariest questions that we can ask. It's dangerous, and it's so necessary today. What are you uniquely designed to do? And do you believe the abundant life is possible?
1: Yeah. So with that question, like, how do you go around, like, how do you figure that out?
0: It's a great question. How do you figure out what you're uniquely designed to do? I think it's a constellation. I think it's asking other people. I think it's who who know us and love us and will tell us the truth. I think we discover unique design by looking back, and it's more of things that have always been there and always been true. I say this phrase, pay attention to what you pay attention to. Like when you daydream, what do you daydream about? And sometimes those things feel weird and insignificant. But like, since I was 13 years old, I have dreamed of a cabin in the mountains and like bringing other people there and it being like a fun refuge getaway place. And you're like, ah, what does a 13 year old know? Well, when that doesn't go away, for over 20 years, like, you have to ask questions. Like, huh, I don't think other 13-year-olds dream of, like, a relaxing cabin. Like, that's like an old man dream, you know? <laughs> like, what thir- like, what kind of old soul at 13 dreams of a cabin in the mountains? And was like, oh, I've always gone away to the wilderness to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. I've always, for whatever reason, taken a giddy joy in catching a trout. Like, I can't explain it. Like, huh, maybe there's something there. So sometimes they're there. They just, we just haven't looked backward. And usually we connect the dots by looking backward. Um, of course, seek the Lord. What makes my heart leap? Uh, a friend of mine says, uh, what blows what blows you away? Uh, how, does he, how does he phrase it? What baffles your mind and blows you away? So what do you absolutely love? And then what kind of messes with you? Um, sometimes there's a holy anger. Often there's a holy anger that accompanies things. Um, like, man, it drives me crazy when blank. Like when people don't live up to their full potential, it drives me crazy, which means, huh, maybe I'm supposed to help them live out their full potential and how God has uniquely designed them. So I'd say that's a constellation of about four things. Um, what may be helpful is the things that are right in front of your face that other people have seen your whole life. It takes a lot of insecurity and courage to go ask other people, like, what do you see in me? What do you see me? That is question that I like to ask. What do you do better than 10,000 other people? So if you live in a small town, you'd be the blank gal. You'd be the blank guy. The person that they always go to, to what? And uh, it, it takes some work, some time. But, and, and it may feel a little silly. And you may feel a little smaller and significant. But to say, huh, that's something people have always come to me for. And... Um, yeah, I would say instead of just looking forward and saying what I feel like I want to, say what has been true of me for a long time in that. And we have to be careful as well. Sometimes we grew up with a lot of baggage or in dysfunctional family relationships. And so um, I want to put that disclaimer in there too. But it takes some digging. I think it's archaeology. I also think it's kind of like God chipping away at a sculpture. And many times we treat it like the blank canvas. Like, what am I going to paint? And it's terrifying, right? We're like, well, God has already painted a lot on there. I think it's more like a chipping away. If you've ever seen an ice sculpture being chipped away, you're like, what is that? Like, is that a duck? Is that a man? Like, is that a basketball player? Like, what's happening there? And it's God sort of chipping away at it. Um, So does that make sense? I would start there with unique design. Unique design says that there's a designer that is very intentional and on purpose and it also says to me that when I'm living out of design, that I'm living in dysfunction. When I'm living in God's design for me, there's function there. And I think that is true in so many areas of life. When we go, man, I love those spaces and those environments. And sometimes we just discover it by accident. I didn't know what coaching was. Um, I thought coaching was just reserved for sports. And I certainly didn't think you could ever get paid for it and justify part of your week to do it. And now I'm like, oh, that's a thing. And so sometimes you just take your next right step and you do it. And rarely will you ever get paid anytime soon to do it. And then some days you're like, oh, I find myself in this constellation. When you just take your next right step versus what's the career choice? What's the thing? It's often unique designs often very different from just career choice Mm -hmm. as well. Which I know can be paralyzing uh, many times. What am I going to do the rest of my of my life to, to define me? Um, health before impact says watering the the roots brings healthy fruit. And the problem today is that we are part. Of, we see fruit in Walmart, and by the way, it looks so fake, like it's perfect every time, and we don't see the whole process of cultivation. So I want to read this passage for you, Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. By the way, let me stop there. If there's someone who you're wondering, man, like, what's going on with that person? I don't know them yet. Um, Should we do life together, leadership together, ministry together? Well, I would say stand back and just watch for the fruits of people's lives. And ask ourselves that sobering question as well. What is the fruit of my life? There have been certain seasons where I thought the fruit of my life was hustle and busyness. And people calling me and say, hey, man, I know you're really busy, but if that is the first thing people think when they call me, then I've got an issue. and I need to deal with that. I was living from a hurried soul instead of leaning in and being fully present where I'm at. God is not in a hurry. What are are the fruits of your life? What are the fruits of those around you? Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them. By their fruits. So in verse 19, know that this is about pruning. This feels like just super intense and super harsh, but it's just part of the process, right? Of pruning. We have uh, two apple trees in our backyard, and um, one year I didn't do any pruning, I didn't water their roots at all. And then I look across the street and I'm like, oh, why is his tree producing and not ours? Because I didn't do anything to prepare it all year long. There's a pruning process. There's, there's a watering process. I didn't take care of the roots, and I'm like, what in the world? Like, why are they growing apples, not me? And then I like, go over with a bucket, and I'm like, hey, buddy, Rick, can I have some apples? <laughs> hey, man, which she gladly gave me, which is way easier than cultivating it myself. Mm-hmm. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Mm-hmm. Health before impact. Health yields impact. Now, it may take a while. that every healthy tree bears good fruit. I love this promise. So what would your life and leadership look like if you were healthy? Mm. What would your life and leadership look like if you were healthy? Many times we've skipped right over these passages. I mean, Jesus is talking about health here. And it looks vastly different. There's different areas of life. And, and I want to give you what I call the 4D, the four dimensions. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The four dimensions of how God has built us. God, God has wired us not just to be four different people, heart, soul, mind, strength, but to be whole, to be unified. Do you ever feel like one area of your life is out of whack? What happens? Another area gets out of whack and another area. It's like if you stop sleeping, then I can tell you that different areas are quickly going to get affected. Maybe you, you stop eating very well. You start living reactive and saying yes to everything or no to everything. And you either like, you know, head into people for meaning and everything or you completely isolate from people. But we are holistic. Is If one area struggles, the rest do. Here's the great news too if one area is getting healthy sometimes we realize oh man that that's the next area for me that's going to get healthy often i find if i start the day well with either a workout or just time with the lord or a combination of those things a good prayer and a good jog or a hike or a, a good decision at the beginning of the day you can stack another decision on top of it and stack another one on top of that if i start the day And I eat, you know, 16 pieces of banana bread and I'm just like, oh man, like I can tell you, I'm probably about to make poor decisions along the way each day. How much is that true of our seasons in life, of the big decisions that we make? Guys, the small decisions, that's where it's won. The little decisions, that's where stewardship happens right there. And I want to challenge and encourage you guys in this, because it's just right in front of our nose in the Gospels. Jesus is talking about it. Roots and fruits. The basic laws that God has sown into the universe of sowing and reaping are there, right? I love how Mumford and Sons puts it, where you invest your love, you invest your life. Like, we know these things to be true. And yet we think, oh, like I can white knuckle it and I can push for a season, never for perfection. But what does health look like for you? And health for you may it look like saying no to people on a Friday night because you need time to recover because you happen to be born an introvert who gets energy from being with other people. And you're like, oh, I'm tired at the end of the day. Health for you may be like, oh, I'm going to peel back from six cups of coffee, this was me, to two cups of coffee. Like that, that's reasonable. Six cups, like I don't need that. It looks like me going to bed early so that I can have tons of energy in the morning to be able to create because that is the best time I get for content creation is while it's dark and the family's not up yet. What does that look like for you? What does healthy living look like for you? Many times there's a difference between who we actually are and who we desire to be. And so one exercise I think is really fruitful is write down a word that you want to describe your life. Take a moment, just write down a word you want to describe your life. And then write down the word that actually describes your life. I realized there was a big gap for me the first time I did this was that the word I wanted to describe my life was grounded. The word that actually described my life was scattered. There's a big difference between those two things. I realize there is a gap there. And whatever that is, none of this, by the way, for shame or guilt. I hope this isn't a beat down for you. I hope this can be a, a starting spot. Remember, God's a God of clarity. We're trying to clarify Certain things, so we can stake, so we can take steps and stake a claim and say this matters right now. Guys, the leadership conundrum is this pursue impact and you'll find unhealth. But pursue health and you'll find impact. Pursue impact and you'll find unhealth. Remember, if impact is your final goal, you will literally do anything to get it, even things that boggle your own mind. But if you pursue health, You'll find impact. Here's a really cool thing is that what gets celebrated gets done. We know that about cultures. Whatever you celebrate, people realize, oh, that's valuable. I'm going to do more of that. And so we started to see that people are only celebrating the big, the massive. And you could complain about that all that you want, but I want to be in the business of creating new metrics. So instead of just complaining about that, we thought, man, we want to raise up those stories of health, longevity, and faithfulness. So we're actually launching the Right Side Up Awards at State Forth. And so we're going to have people nominate others who are living healthy and cultivating health in the teams and individuals and people around them. And we're going to celebrate those people. (coughs) What gets celebrated gets done. And be careful that the things that you are celebrating in your life are not just big, are not just impressive, but they are faithful and they are healthy. Pursue impact and you'll find unhealth. Pursue health and you'll find impact. But the right-side-up leader says this, workmanship before works and identity before impact. As the foundation of everything we do at State Forth Designs, whether it's coaching, content creation, consulting with teams, In an upside-down world, we believe that a right-side-up leader chooses workmanship before works. Who God says you are before what you do, what you accomplish. Who he's designed you to be before the work that you do, an identity before impact. That you are God's kid, regardless of whether you end up on the honor roll stage or in the principal's office. You are God's kid. He's the hound of heaven that is chasing us down, that is running toward us as the prodigal. Wherever you find yourself today, maybe completely discouraged by your state of health or completely encouraged that, man, this is doable, let me say this, God loves you for who you are, not what you do. And that, my friends, is really good news. Let's stop there.
1: smells like there's some food in the room. Well, friends, we hope that you found today's episode of the podcast encouraging. And before we let you go, I just want to remind you that your health is much more important than the impact you're chasing. When you pursue health, you will find impact. When you pursue impact, you will find unhealth. And lastly, whose you are matters way more than what you do. Whose you are is more important than what you do. So think through these four questions for the rest of the week. Where are you thriving right now? All of the areas of your life and leadership that seem pretty good. Where are you struggling right now? What seems off? What's just tough? What's confusing to you right now? Where do you need clarity? And what's missing right now? What are you longing for? As always, you can catch the Right Side Up Leadership podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you consume podcasts. Do us a favor, leave us a rating and review. Those help us increase our viewership and get this message into more eyes, ears, and hearts. If you're interested to where you can find more about the, those questions and, and tools to help you pursue health and impact, connect with us on all of our social media channels and over at stayforth.com. If you are interested in a Right Side Up journal, you can pick one of those up at rightsideupleader.com. And if you're someone who is stuck and needing traction and you think, man, I'm overwhelmed right now and I need some more clarity and I think I need someone to come alongside and guide me through that process... You can pursue coaching, and if you'd like more information there, head over to stayforth.com forward slash coaching. That's stayforth.com forward slash coaching. And until next time, we will see you right back here on the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast.